0: What is up, podcast fam? Welcome back to the Energy Exchange podcast where I am committed to creating a community filled with more movement, more gratitude, and more joy. So thank you so much for tuning in in today's show. Now, I do have one request. As you're listening to the show, I don't want you to just let the information go in one ear and out the other. I want you to do your best to apply this information, this knowledge, this wisdom into your life. So please make the most of this time. I appreciate you so much. And one last request is if this show resonates with you, if you gain some sort of value from this episode, please, please, please leave a review in the iTunes store. It makes such a huge impact in this mission to reach more people and inspire more people and empower more people. I love you so much. Thank you in advance. I appreciate you. And I can't wait for you to dive in today's show. Let's get it. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Energy Exchange Podcast. I'm I am your host and Chief Energy Officer, Jeremy Abramson. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am so excited for today's show. I am sharing a very special human with you. And that special person is Ellen Meredith and Ellen is the author of the language your body speaks she's an intuitive and energy medicine practitioner with over 35 years of experience and Ellen has served on the faculty of energy medicine pioneer Donna Eden since 2010 and teaches energy healing techniques all over the world Ellen now lives in Marin County California and you can find out all about her amazing programs on her website ellenmeredith.com so we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes ellen welcome to the show
1: well thank you jeremy i'm really happy to be here talking with you today
0: yes yes so much to talk about and you know this podcast is called the energy exchange podcast so i feel like it's so aligned with all of the work you do tell me ellen what does exchanging energy mean to you
1: Well, okay. I, um, believe very much that the body, um, we're made of energy. We're formed by energy. Uh, the body is fueled by energy and it organizes everything that we do using energy. So energy exchange happens all the time. The body, mind, and spirit are always communicating just under the surface of our awareness constantly. And so for me, It's not about learning how to exchange energy. We do all the time. It's about learning how to to tune into it, recognize what's being exchanged and participate a little more in our creation of self.
0: Mm, I love that. That's super powerful. And you also, in your book, talk about the language of energy now i think a lot of times when people hear energy they think like oh this person is super high energy they're energetic they're always active or this person's low energy they're lethargic or sedentary whatever that may be can you go a little deeper into exactly what the language of energy means
1: yes absolutely The language of energy, it's not a metaphor. It's literally how the body, mind, and spirit communicate. So when I talk about the language of energy, I'm talking about everything that happens within us to create a self, a physical self, an emotional, mental self, and to bring the spirit in. And that sounds big and broad, but it's very specific. We have very uh, we have built-in uh, equipment to work with this language. It, it doesn't take a special psychic gift. It's our senses. So we have we have vision, we have sound, you know hearing, we have feeling and touch, we have um, direct knowing and smell and taste. We also have some. Unusual abilities that we in our culture we don't call senses, but they are, for example, that radar you use when you're walking through a crowd and you don't bump into anyone, mm. or um, the ability to notice a shift in pattern. And that's that's a, a particular kind of attention that we have that's part of how this language of energy I- I- is formulated. So it's a very, it's not just words, it's a very multi um, sensual energy, but we can learn to participate in it, we can both understand what our body's saying with symptoms and sensations and, and events that we don't understand, like when you suddenly stumble and fall, even though you're, you were perfectly balanced the moment before. We can understand that, but we can learn to respond in kind. So, um, the language is much more than i got energy or I don't. It's not binary. Everybody's got energy. Is it moving or is it clogged? Or is it Mm. somewhere in between? And if it's moving, how is it moving and why is it moving and for what purpose? And a lot of us just drain energy. We lose it all the time. We just leak constantly because Mm. we don't know how our energies are organized and how to support that. We do know how to brush our hair in the morning and take care of it. We know if we get spinach in our teeth, how to, you know, get that out. Right. but we don't know how to untangle our energies so they work better and we end mm-hmm. up getting sick or getting um, emotionally m- emotional ups and downs or we end up saying things we don't mean to other people because we're not able to stay balanced if we don't even understand our own our own instrument our own systems so mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to um, show people in, in the book and ex- and help them experience um, in a very total immersion way of well how does this language work and how can i how can i use it more effectively
0: i love that and that's really powerful too and i it's something i touch on as well is like you know i'm I'm very big into movement you know yes. moving your body because again we're moving some stagnant energy and by moving your body different neural connections are created and oftentimes that stimulates other positive things right now yeah. I'm, I'm curious to know because you have so much experience working in this space what are a couple of the most common things that you see draining people's energy and really uh, really facilitating this imbalance
1: okay <laughs> oh, there are lots, but um, part of it is um, that when we when we lose energy sometimes it 's because it 's drained and sometimes it 's because it 's clogged and sometimes because it 's the wrong fuel for the moment. Um, and there's other reasons, too. But one of the things that drains people most is not having a good sense of self, a good sense of this is my instrument. This is what it needs. We use a lot of external expectations. We we get up and we push ourselves to do X or Y because we think we'll be happy when we've done it rather than tuning in and saying, hey, what do you need right now? And can I help you? You know, can I support you in it? Can I make this happen? Um, energy needs space to move. So sometimes it's something as simple that our cat does every day, but we don't, or our dog, you know, stretch, not doing stretches, stretching, because we're making space for our energy to move. And there's a difference between stretching, because I need space for my energies to move and circulate, and doing stretches, because then I'll feel better if I do them. Or I think, you know, for some external purpose. like mm-hmm. if I do my stretches, then I won't get injured as much. And because a lot of our lives are programmed to do things for external rewards, we lose a vital co- connection and a vital communication with our own being that that leaks energy terribly. I mean you know it's it, it's not as gratifying to stretch because it's good for me. As it is to stretch because, boy, those muscles want something and I'm responding. Right. Mm -hmm. So we can learn a lot from dogs and cats because they don't have those secondary um, gratification goals. They don't have those things they do in order to get X. They do it because now I want to sleep. Now I want to get up. Now I want to walk over there and sniff. Now I want to wag my tail. They have a very immediate kind of um, dialogue going on with their physical being that allows them to know what's needed and supply it as soon as they can. And we can we can kind of call on that, come back to our creature self. I, I talk about that some in the book of really learning to inhabit this body as an instrument rather than run it like a machine.
0: Mm, I like that, body as an instrument, not a machine. Hey, correct me if I'm wrong too, Ellen, I love the reference you make with like cats and dogs, Uh right? But what I've noticed is like, I don't have a dog myself, but what I realize sometimes is like when a dog faces some sort of traumatic scenario, like maybe it ran into something or maybe it like almost got hit by a car, uh-huh. it immediately shakes. Yes. And, and I, in my estimation, like it's shaking to remove that trauma and like uh-huh. move forward rather than ruminating in the past. Is, right. is that accurate?
1: Right. Yeah. A dog is very present. All creatures except us are very present. I mean, we have the, the gift of traveling the timeline, past, present, future, alternate realities. But our home base is like the dog's home base. It's our body and it's our present reality. So, yeah, if something happens, it's traumatic. How many of you have fallen down? People come, rush up to help and you say, no, no, I'm fine. Before you even check and see if you're fine. And Mm -hmm. or watch someone else do it. And, you know, they're not fine. They totally look stunned and they're going, no, no, I'm fine. And they act normal instead of doing what the dog or the bunny does and go under a bush and shake it off. The other thing the dog might do is sleep for two or three days. Just, you know, they'll shake it off. And then if they're okay, they might move on. But if they're a little injured, they lick it. They they baby it. They they take to bed. They sleep more. Maybe they stop eating so that all their energy can go into um, into healing. You know, they drink water, but they don't. They're off their feet a little bit. So um, you know, it's great to learn from from creatures. And but we're not just a creature self. But most of us um, kind of bring the creature along for the ride, rather than seeing that as 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 I say, the instrument that plays the music of the soul.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's super valuable. Like what you talk about is really tuning in and heightening your awareness to all these different aspects. And I'm just curious because I feel like n- now more than ever, mental health, anxiety, depression, all of these things have seemed to manifest in yes. a really, really, powerful way you know Mm -hmm. kids young kids are saying they're depressed or they're anxious and they're being put on medication and i'm just i'm just i'm just curious because you know you've been in this space a long time Mm -hmm. so you've kind of seen different decades and you've seen different eras and and i'm curious to know what do you think is a big reason for just this abundance of mental health issues in, in our society, not just the U.S., but all over the world.
1: Okay. Well, I've got a couple different answers to that. Of course, it's never one thing, but um, I was talking about this notion of not being uh, with, uh, inhabiting ourselves, of having sort of secondary gratification or secondary motivation mm. rather than being in the moment with ourselves. So that separation is part of the problem it really creates anxiety and the anxiety creates stress hormones and they start to um, degrade the the health of the body. So that's a piece of it. Another piece of it is um, that say a hundred or 200 years ago, we were designed to basically live one storyline. You know, we're living our life, and maybe we're involved in the lives of our family, but it's all an interrelated storyline. And maybe we know a little about what our neighbors are are doing or what our nation or our our community is doing. But we really are are centered in a very present storyline, and the body is programmed to enact the stories of the talking self, the mind, the the part of you that creates identity, that creates dramas, that creates meaning from things. Um, The body is programmed to enact that. And we know that all you have to do is think about chocolate and your body will salivate, right? We're meant to, it's meant to kind of prepare for whatever the mind says is coming. Mm. Well, imagine a hundred years ago, the mind said what was coming was we're going to get up and we're going to take care of the farm today, or we're going to go in and meet a few people and have a nice quiet day at work. And now what we're doing is living multiple storylines. We're living what's on the news. We're living, you know, what's on the internet. So we hear what's going on all over the planet and we're exposed to much more violence, not just because there is more violence, but because we're exposed to it. I mean, Oh, there's always been violence around the planet, people being brutalized and terrible things happening, but we didn't get it on a news feed 24 7. So mm. we didn't have it telling our body. And the body doesn't differentiate very well between this is my life and I'm living it, and this is a story that I'm hearing about or participating in, in through through my mind. And so what happens is that our chemistry just has not evolved and our body's energies have not yet evolved to handle this kind of multiple storyline reality. Mm-hmm. And so it's just really messing up people's um Energies, you know, energy systems and also chemical systems. Mm-hmm. And you add into that pharmaceuticals and stuff that's put in the soil that kills off the microbiome that, that helps energetically guide us. I mean, there's a lot of um, forces that have come together that are pushing us to evolve on the one hand. So we do have to evolve not to multitask, but to do any task well and do serial tasks well when we're asking ourselves to do too many serial tasks. Well, Mm -hmm. and it just, it, it exhausts and drains the system. We don't have an equal amount of buildup. So the yang, the do, do, do that our culture um, thrives on is, is not something our bodies or our energies have evolved to handle. So we get very out of balance and, you know, one of the purposes of a, a pandemic is it forces us to stay home and gestate some yin or some receptive energy, some rebuilding energy. Mm. And our our the ability to rebuild has and rest has not kept up with our do do do. So kids aren't sleeping as well. They're not. They're not rebuilding tissue when it breaks down, or they're not using their bodies. I mean, back in the old days, kids were out. You know, I I don't mean to sound like an old lady, a granny in my rocking chair, but, um, (laughs) you know, you asked about earlier, earlier days, kids were outside from morning till night. And now a lot of times kids are in front of a screen six, seven hours a day. And so their minds are going all over the universe of possibility, but their bodies are much more sedentary and not getting to move the energies out including as you talked about the shocks that a little bit of shaking or jumping around can release but if you're in a video game you're probably not sitting there doing this while you play yeah. you're probably really locked in to a very physically locked in position sending all those shock waves through the body and it does it just runs so many chemicals that it it disturbs kids sleep their their yeah. equilibrium et cetera.
0: Yeah and everything you said is definitely definitely spot on and it's one of those things Ellen that like sometimes sometimes most of the times it really encourages me because I'm like you know now more than ever people like you and myself are being called on to help people in these challenging times right who are who are encountering these type of challenges so There's no better time to have the skill sets that we have in the ability to empower and and help people on their healing journey, right? Of building self-awareness and becoming the best version of themselves. And then there's times where I'm like, oh my gosh, Ella just reeled off all of these things. Like literally starting from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed that are. Leading towards this perpetual feeling of I need to do this, I need to do that. I'm behind. I'm comparing myself to them, and they're doing more. They're prettier. They're they're more capable. They're more intelligent. And mm-hmm. and it's it's almost uh, it's like sometimes. And again, this is just sometimes. It's like oh my gosh, like how are we gonna? How are we gonna? How are we gonna solve this? mystery right and mm-hmm. and I'm curious to know um because you did mention stories, mm-hmm. and I really believe that these stories that people tell themselves are the biggest thing that are holding them back in most cases uh-huh. Uh-huh. right they've they've somehow convinced themselves that these stories, these perceptions of the world are a reality, and oftentimes that leads to just Depression or the, the inability to move forward right. and tap into their highest self. So I'm wondering, Ellen, what is maybe one story, one limiting belief that you faced uh, early in your career, maybe that, that held you back? And then with that being said, how were you able to overcome that to get to where you are now?
1: Okay, (laughs) it's so interesting. I, um, you know, because I I don't always orient to stories that hold me back. I I orient towards what are the stories that are authentic to each person that actually move you forward? Mm. And and so but there's one story that was both, (laughs) actually, which was a story of I don't fit in. You know, just feeling like I was different and I was in a lot of different ways. I I was, um, you know, I was I was short. I was a little round. Um, I I skipped a grade. So I got bullied a lot for being smart. Um, I let me see what else. I was very psychic and I didn't always know what to do with the things I perceived. So there were a lot of ways I was gay. You know, there were just lots of things about me that didn't fit the storyline that didn't fit the public persona of who people are and how they are and and what they do. And what that, that did to me was it gave me depression and self-hatred, self-loathing, you know, weight stuff. I, I struggled with weight issues. And then that, you know, that wore my system down and it evolved into chronic migraines. And I had many years, almost 15 years of daily migraines. Um, and so, yeah, it was a very... Um, oppressive it wasn't a single belief unless you call it I don't fit in or my my truth isn't adequate but um, but it also was the invitation to wake up it was the storyline that forced me to figure out what my story was, what my truth was, what my authentic being looked like from the inside out as opposed to the outside in. Because Mm -hmm. I'm never going to be tall and blonde and skinny in this lifetime. Maybe I've done it in other lifetimes, but this lifetime, you know, I'm not going to get past Five feet three quarters of an inch, you know, just not going oh, to problem. Five
0: three such. My mom, my mom's pushing five feet. She's 4'11, maybe five feet on a yeah, good
1: day. Yeah, yeah. Well, my mom's down to four ten. So there you go. It's like, yes. And so, you know, but but giving up on recognizing that the storyline of how we're supposed to be doesn't fit anybody. It really doesn't fit any, you know, the person it does fit, even they are kind of um, brutalized by this having to stay perfect or having to be gorgeous all the time or having to look a certain way. So it is a, a society wide issue that that we're all dealing with right now that the whole thing of what's fake news and what's real news and what's, what's the narrative and whose narrative is real. We're moving, we're evolving towards a place where we each have to learn what our own narrative is and how to respect the narratives of others if they're authentic and how to not let inauthentic narratives, um, really, uh, brutalize us or 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 do um torque us uh, distort our reality because we don't live up to somebody else's fantasy of what ought to be mm. so i think it is a big evolutionary um movement right now and why a lot of people who are coming out to teach and to to help others have gone through really difficult passages themselves because You know, nothing like hard experience to teach you some compassion for other people who are going through hard times. And, you know, I did a lot of work in the field of education with children because I felt very passionately that um, we could do better by children, that all children are gifted. And to have, say, a school system that sets up a bell curve where one kid gets an A, but then two or three kids have to get Bs, and then some more kids have to get Cs, Ds, and Es. It's built-in failure for 75% of the kids, Mm. just built into what's required for how we assess, in a very linear way, kids who are all really different. And what kind of insanity is that? And the whole society builds on that kind of competitive insanity that there's one way to be, and we're all in competition with each other for being at at the A end of the curve and not the E or F end of the curve, when, in fact, we all bring gifts to the table we all bring some some thread of energy and giftedness that we can weave into the social weave if we're allowed to recognize what it is and find ways to share it
0: mm-hmm. so
1: i'm very passionate about that that it's not about what blocks you it is there is stuff to unblock energies and i have things in my book of what you can do to to clear templates of old painful experiences. But I don't think that's the real healing. I think the really real healing is finding some of your truth, finding that, that giftedness in each of us, you know, each of us finding our giftedness and mm. finding ways to live that and express it, whether we do it for money or not, because we know the, the money system's skewed, you know, we don't pay for childcare and we do pay for, you know, extreme athletes. You know, there's a, there's a skewed value that says children aren't important, but you know, people who don't one thing very well are. So it's not about money; it is about living at least several moments a day where you're living the truth of your 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 deepest gifted self, because that calms everything and allows everything to work beautifully. It that makes the instrument. Uh, it fuels the instrument. It makes it run well, and it um, it heals. It heals mm-hmm. us.
0: I love that, and and it comes back to what you said previously about a lot of people, uh, a lot of people looking for external validation or looking at the outside to fulfill their inside. And I love that you're saying that, like you know, I always say, identify, identify your superpowers, identify those unique gifts that you have to share with the world. And, and once you start living from that authentic truth that you're speaking of, you become much more fulfilled, you become much more energized, because all of a sudden, you're living in more alignment. And, and I think that's really what most people want is they just want to live in alignment with what it is that they're passionate about. And, and, you know, Ellen on this show, what, what, one of the things that I think makes this show different from a lot of other podcasts and channels and other things like that is that I really like to offer, you know, the community, the audience actionable steps that they can really take towards a better version of themselves. So so when you're talking about hey identify your truth, start sharing that truth, do you have any maybe thought provoking questions that we can ask ourselves or any little exercises that might help us on that journey?
1: Uh-huh. Well, you know I do and my book is chock full of them, but Um, One of the things that I really believe is that um, the instrument has a a built-in guidance system. Our Mm. bodies, our our spirit, our wiser self can guide us through the instrument of our body if we can listen to it rather than pushing it around and telling it what to do all day. Mm. So I have an exercise that kind of brings you home to being able to hear your body better and then hear your truth. And often we're up in the top part of our head going, well, what's the goal? What's the meaning of this? What's this? You know, we're very busy intellectualizing something that hasn't even started to manifest yet, and we haven't even been able to feel it or know it. So, if you work from your heart and your gut a little more to, to get things to rise up in you, um, that truth comes from the inside. Again, it's, it, the idea is a later stage, not the, the start of it. Mm-hmm. And we always want the idea of, you know, ask a question. I can, and, and I'm not making fun of you at all, but we all do this. We say, well, how can I think my way out of this problem? Mm. And I don't think we can think our ways out entirely because, you know, we've seen years and years, lots of people have done years and years of, of talk therapy, and it's not entirely effective. It's got like a 35% uh, success rate, which is very close to placebo. And I'm not putting down talk therapy. I love it because I'm a storyteller and I like to talk. I am saying that what's missing from all of that. Using the mind to understand our truth is that we need to bring it back into the body to understand our truth. It will come through the body not just through the um, the mind. The mind has been so socialized first of all, it distorts the truth very easily, um, but also that's you know it's like we have in our language the phrase "I know it in my gut," right? Or "I know it in my heart." And those are both. Phrases that mean powerful inner knowing. If we say, oh, I know it in my head, yeah, that's questionable whether we're telling ourselves stories or not, right? It doesn't have that same Mm -hmm. punch of, I know it in my heart or I know it in my gut. So I have an exercise if people want to do it with me right now, shall I teach a little exercise? Yeah, let's do it. And it's great for self-healing and it's great for self-awareness. It not all healing has to be about fixing always. Some of if you think of the word healing as being uh, coming from the root of wholeness, then the the search for wholeness isn't always about fixing what's wrong, it's about cultivating what's needed. It's about bringing in what what is needed as opposed to just always focusing on what's the problem, how do I fix it, which is our Western medical model, right? What's the diagnosis? How do I treat it? How do I fix it? So whether you're sick or well, this helps. So it's called healing hands. Don't do this if you're driving, but if you're not driving, you can do it. Um, Rub your hands together. And this just activates the energy. Your hands speak fluent energy. So it just activates their ability to get talking. It's like a conversation starter. And then you're going to take one of your hands and you're going to say, where do you want to go on my body? It can be in the field, but I say, start with the body. Mine wants to go right here. Where do you want to go? And just don't think it, just put it. Yeah. And then you say to the other one, where do you want to go? And let it just go where it wants to go. And then you just hold and you feel that connection. You feel your skin being touched. And you feel your hands touching you. You feel you know it's that both sides of feeling the touching and the being touched. And you just let those two hands enter into conversation with your body's energies, and you breathe. Normally you don't have someone chatting at you in the background. And then when you feel ready. If one of the hands wants to move, you just let it up, you know, let let go and move to another position on the body. And then you ask the other hand, do you want to stay where you are or do you want to move somewhere else? Mine's going to come here. And then you just hold there. And again, you leave it there and... Just breathe. My whole
0: left hand is like shaking and tingling.
1: Yeah. What does that that's, mean? That's energy moving. Your hands chatting up a storm. It's talking. You're feeling the conversation as it's happening of your body speaking energy to itself. And you just can listen in to what it is. You can feel it. You can shut your eyes and say does a color come to mind? What, you know, what colors being expressed? Or is there a song? Are my hands singing a song? Or you can just feel it as sensation. And then you just keep moving your hands to new positions Hmm. until you feel like You come to a a natural stopping place until you feel like, okay, well, that was a good conversation. You know how, like, when you're chatting with someone and you're smoozing away and it's back and forth, and then there's kind of a lull, and you both think, okay, well, bye, have a nice day. You know, we know how to do conversations.
0: What up, fam? Sorry to interrupt today's show, but I am so excited. This podcast, the Energy Exchange Podcast, is something that I have put my blood, sweat, and tears into. And honestly, the best way that you can show your gratitude for me and this show is by leaving an honest review in the iTunes store. It would genuinely mean the world to hear your feedback and to support this mission. Word of mouth is my oxygen. Thank you so much, fam. I appreciate you, I love you. Let's get back to the show. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I I, I love this exercise. And and I think it also brings to the point like that so many of us are deprived for physical touch, especially during this time where it's like, in a lot of cases, we're not even able to give a hug or receive a hug or right. or or any of these things. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of physical touch and and yes. I know it, it releases oxytocin, this feel good hormone of connectedness, what else are the benefits of physical touch?
1: Okay. So I, you know, I don't go with the scientific explanation. I I love them, but I don't go that way usually because I feel like more vital. It's our first language. When Mm -hmm. we have an infant, The first way we communicate is through touch. We hold her, right? We pick her up. We put her to the breast. If we have a breast that we can put her to, whatever. We hold her. We rock her. And maybe we bring in tone of voice and we speak to her and we know it's our tone of voice. And after a while, her vision starts. So there's gazing. But touch is the first part of the language of energy that comes in. Mm-hmm. And if you think about our culture, it's very touchophobic or tactophobic. It's very we've we've sexualized touch. You know, it's not okay for teachers to touch kids, it's not okay for for people working with other people to touch them for the most part. And in, in some states it's illegal unless you have a license to touch. And what does that do to us as creatures when this is our primary communication and we're told not to touch other people and not to touch ourselves and only to touch if there's a sexual payoff, you know, I mean, usually then people, a lot of people get into sexual relationships that are inappropriate because they're starving for touch, not sex. And, Mm -hmm. you know, some are starving for sex too, but it's, you know, it comes with, it starts with touch. So. We have to recognize, again, when we have something that is skewed in our culture, we can rebalance it for ourselves. There is nothing to stop anyone from touching themselves. And again, if you're in public, don't. Don't go touching yourself all over. You're going to be maybe arrested as a weirdo. But then go to the bathroom, you know, go to the ladies room and in your stall, do a little self-touch or, or touch appropriately. You know, you can, put your, you can do a self-hug or a self kind of consolation. You can find touch or gesture that speaks to the, to the mind, body, spirit, the creature self. And just experiment with both, as I said, the feeling and the touching. Because we need both. You know, I love to be touched. I love to be rubbed and petted. I mean, I, I thought I was a dog or cat growing up because I just, any adult, I wanted them to rub my head and pet me. But I love to touch as well. I'm just as happy to, to pet someone else. I have equal need for those. And I think we do. And that give and take with ourselves translates into better give and take with other people. So, yeah, feel good hormones. It calms the stress, um, the, the fight or flight reactivity. It it also opens shutdown. I mean, our our stress not only um, sends us into fight or flight reactivity, it also sends us into fog or freeze, which is the yin side of it. It's the shutdown. It's the, I can't feel anything. It's numbness or mm-hmm. it's confusion. I'm so confused. I'm so con- You know, someone says, oh, I'm confused or I'm befuddled or I've got brain fog. Those are all forms of reactivity that are part of what I call your yin gatekeeper. We have a Mm-mm. gatekeeper that keeps the gates of self. It's a mechanism. It's immune system. And it says this can come in. This has to stay out. This is healthy. This is unhealthy. This is me. This is not me. And so the gatekeeper, the young gatekeeper, the outer gatekeepers keeps us safe in the world. You know, so it goes into fight or flight to fight off enemies. You know, the, the Klingons coming in to attack the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, but the yin gatekeeper protects the sanctity of the self the sanctity mm. of the heart so she shuts down or partitions things off or or makes the brain foggy or or drains the energy pulls the plug and all of a sudden i have no energy mm. that's your mm. yin gatekeeper saying i don't feel safe in my heart i don't feel safe My inner sanctity or inner truth is being threatened, or or um, yeah, threatened in some way, and that's a reactivity. Touch can bring us out of both of those. It can bring us calm down the fight or flight, but it can unfurl or open that closed state that doesn't allow energies to to fuel us Mm. and to, to. to allow us to, to do what we need to do. That sleepiness, when you, wanna, you really want to write that poem or draw that picture or dance that dance or sing that song or, or even write that report, and all of a sudden you're so sleepy you can't function, that's your gatekeeper saying, I don't feel safe here. I didn't get what I needed. And I need something. So stop Pay attention to what I need. And often if you do and you just do a little hug or you look at nature, you know, you go outside and walk in the grass for a few minutes and bare feet or you do some stretching, you tune in what's needed here and how can I su- supply it or provide it? Just like an infant, you know, are you crying? Do you need food? Do you need love? Do you need your diaper change? What do you need? Well, when we figure out what it is, when we change the diaper, the baby stops screaming. Mm. And our babies keep screaming throughout life, even though we're grown ups, even when we're old, the baby keeps expressing itself. And if we don't get the message through subtle signals, it'll scream louder and it'll keep screaming until it develops a disease state. Chronic needs that aren't met snowball into a, a disease state. And then you have the named, you know, I've got chronic fatigue or I've got heart Condition, Or I've got, you know, I've got a lung disorder or something like that. That's just the body screaming to be heard over and over until it creates a condition that keeps you from moving forward until you address it. So mm. that's I've gone a long way from touch, but touch is the first step in saying, hey, I'm here, baby, I'm here. Yeah. What do you want? What can I do for you? What do you need? It's entering into that, that dialogue, that feedback system that the body is programmed to do and responding appropriately so it doesn't snowball into illness and dysfunction. Yeah. Does that That's make sense? Super,
0: yeah. And, and just to unpack some of that, I think it's so powerful too because your body is always keeping the score. You know, if you are, if you are, you know, like you said, feeling fatigued, lacking energy, maybe your ankles hurting like you, the example you used in the book when you used to get um, all these ankle sprains. When yeah. you were younger, you know, all of these things are just a manifestation of your body giving you some sort of sign and communication. And oftentimes we're just numb to it and we keep yeah. keep pushing through. We keep right. ignoring. And, right. and this is a good time kind of as we, you know, we're recording this on the 2nd of July. I think it's a great time for everyone listening to just like take a moment and take inventory of how you're feeling. You know, how your sleep is, how your movement is, what you're putting into your body, who are you surrounding yourself with, taking inventory of all of these different factors and understanding that all of them play a big role in your energy and in your level of joy, your level of happiness, and your ability to create whatever it is you want in this world. Um, right.
1: Can I take it one step further? What you just of said. Course. In always. addition, in addition to those excellent questions, what am I feeling in my body and where? You know, oh, my stomach's a little tight. Oh, um, my feet feel really open and connected to the the earth right now. Uh, this ear feels clear. This ear feels a little congested. Tuning into specifically what is there and what does it need. So my stomach feels kind of tight and clenched. What can I do to unclench it? There's lots of things. I mean, one thing you can do if a hand is clenched is just stroke it below or above and often it unclenches. It's hard to keep your hand clenched tight when you're just petting and loving the the wrist below it. Did you ever notice that? And you can do that on the body above and below your clenched stomach. Also, like when a kid is holding a key and won't let go, the way to get the kid to let go of the key is give it something it wants more. And so maybe if my stomach's clenched, there's something I want right now that I can give it. And I think, what do I want? Oh, this. You know, again, Mm -hmm. I don't have to think it very hard. My hands know that's a touch. Or, you know, because we're talking, it might look weird for me to be doing this the whole time. I might just take a breath in and say, what color do I want to breathe in to that area as a gift? So I bring in one of my favorite colors. And I let it fill up. And as I breathe out, it opens. Or I might, you know, think of a little tune in my head, or I might tap a rhythm with my toe where you can't see my foot. And that rhythm just allows that tight place in my body to start to release. Mm-hmm. So in my book, I go into lots of explorations. But, you know, I have people play with all this stuff to figure out what's, you know, not what's the meaning of what my body's saying, but my body, where's my body saying something and how can I start responding in kind. Even if I'm know. just a beginner at the language, you know, how, what are some of my tools for just saying, hey, I see that. Well, you know, it's like if you're in a foreign country and you don't know their language, you can still communicate a lot. It, you, know, you can use sign language. You can use you know, facial expression. You can draw pictures. You can you know, sing a song. You can do all those things. And I feel like although the language of energy is not a foreign language, we can learn it very easily if we don't keep going to what does it mean? What's the significance? What's you know to the larger analytic uh, frameworks that keep us stuck in that moment? We can be as happy as a pig in pig in mud, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and that's okay too. Sometimes our best self is our self in the moment, even our self feeling crappy. It's okay. Yeah. If I feel crappy, then how about some compassion and say, Hey, what can I do for you? You know? And sometimes we want to distract and sometimes we want to help, you know, maybe you feel crappy because you're next type, you know, can I give you a little massage? Can I, can I tap it? Can I, can I bring in a crystal and give it a little crystal energy? What, what can I do for that, that, that thing I'm feeling without needing to interpret it at first?
0: I love that. I think that, I think like not necessarily, you know, trying to just find a solution. Right. Right. Like really just having those conversations with yourself and assessing the way you're feeling. Um, let me, let me ask you, Ellen. So obviously you have all of these unique, tools at your disposal that you've accumulated throughout your career i'm curious to know i'm actually really curious to know like what are a few of your non-negotiables every day maybe specific things you do in the morning or the evening to really stay grounded and stay connected
1: okay good um well um, because I'm a Gemini, I tend to be all over. I mean, Geminis have trouble staying in our, we have trouble staying in our bodies and I'm a messenger spirit. So I tend to like wake up and I'm already into, you know, all over the place. So in the morning, I do some various energy medicine exercises to just reconnect with my body. And that includes, it does include some stretching and some touching. You know, I do a little touch bath where I sort of touch myself all over and get my um, skin activated and get my energies moving in my body. I do energy medicine exercises, and I've got a set of them in my book at the end, a, a sort of daily routine you can do, although I don't insist on it. I'm, I'm not one of those people who thinks discipline is, is something that you... Um, you need to, uh, you know, force yourself to do. I think it's just, what do you want to? Uh, what's your opening gambit that gets you into the best conversation with yourself? And different mm-hmm. days it's different things so if I'm really tired I might curl up in a ball and just be fetal for 10 minutes and just breathe before I start my day and other days I may say wow I really want to go make this breakfast thing I was thinking about lying here so I'm gonna go do some cooking because I like to cook or um, I might pull out my crayons and color so I don't have a single set of go-to's because I like to listen to what my body is telling me it needs but I do have um I, I do an energy routine most days and usually more or less in the morning and it's either the one I've got in my book or one by Donna Eden which is her daily energy routine because I, I I work in her tradition um, and those are just exercises that connect front and back top and bottom get energies moving the way they're designed to move they're you know it's quick quick and easy exercises. You want to hook up the front and back of your body. You just, you take your middle fingers and you put one in your third eye and one in your belly button and you just pull up. It's called a hookup. Okay. This is, this will calm your nervous system. It calms your electrics. This is an Eden energy medicine uh, routine um, exercise. It will also, it's so powerful. It'll stop an epileptic seizure because it hooks up, the, um, the central and governing vessels, which are the center part of your energetic spine, it hooks them up so that they can communicate. It's very powerful. And you don't need to know all that stuff. I think it's cool to know your energy anatomy, what works where and how it needs to move. But you can make it up day by day. You can say, okay, here's my windshield wipers. Do they need to wipe stuff out or do they pull things in? You know, mm. do I need to move energy out or do I need to pull it in? What I love I that. And, and Ellen,
0: what is your what is your, you know, movement practice like, you know, and, and you mentioned you love cooking. What are those same, some of the things that you're cooking up? So I know what I have to look forward to when I come to visit.
1: OK, well, movement, I love to swim. And mm-hmm. we invested a few years ago in a swim spa, which is a 14 by eight foot pool that has its own heating uh, in it so I can make it as warm or cold as I want. So, and it's got jets, so you can swim with or against the current. I like to go with the current, but go really fast and, you know, just play in the water and dance around in the water um, pretty much every day. I love that. That's my, my movement. Or, and I do like to use my hands when I talk, I like to talk with my whole body. So I'm happiest when I'm standing and moving around and, and talking physically. Not just with my words, um, so those are two movement things I do. And then um, whenever I hear music, I like to to move to it. That's another thing that just makes me happy. And I like to play with my cats. So that I've got young cats now, so that's keeping me busy, kind of chasing around, you know, with with uh, toys on strings for them. And then cooking. Um, i I try to cook pretty healthy, but I also like to to the the notion of feed on demand really listening to cravings and working with what your body needs nutritionally so lately i've been learning how to ferment foods because I actually mm-hmm. love pickles and sour things, so i've been making fermented vegetables of various sorts and experimenting with those. Um, and um i I tend to d- I'm um, sensitive to sugar, so I like to make things that um, don't have an, a glycemic impact that don't affect your blood sugar but are still delicious so I mean you know you could tell me what your limitations are I can probably cook you something with it you know that within those because i I like um, inventing. I can't follow a recipe, but I, I like inventing things. So um, when I do start with a recipe, like I'll start making Mexican, it might end up Italian at the end of the cooking process because I think, well, let's add this or let's go there. So I like I I I see uh, flavors as part of the language of energy and. And I really like to listen to, well, what flavor do I want? What texture do I want? You know, how full or empty do I want to feel? Do I want something that's easy to digest or that's going to like anchor me down for a while? Do I want Mm -hmm. foods that feel more yin or yang? So I really play with the energies of food when I'm cooking. And I like things that have been alive some time or other, you know, recently. I like living foods because they're... They're just, um, you know, as opposed to fake things, fake things sound dead to me, to my ears. I'm very tonal, so.
0: Mm, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> fermentation is powerful. And I know that it, it's more digestible and absorbable with the gut. So so that's amazing. And I'm looking forward to <laughs> feasting on some maybe sauerkraut, some pickles. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for all of Ellen's gifts and, <laughs> and and that's that's so instrumental too and like you're talking about like thinking and acting with your gut with your heart with your intuition you know if you're listening right now and you're filling your body with a lot of toxic foods whether that be <laughs> sugar industrial oils all of these things are really uh, impacting your gut biome like you mentioned previously, and they're going to inhibit your ability to be intuitive, trust yeah, your
1: hear your own. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, but, and, and, and on that same point, like if you feel like your body would really just enjoy a nice ice cream, or sweet potato fries, don't deprive yourself.
1: No, no, because your body knows what it needs. And when we when we really listen and when we, find, fu- you know, if I'm craving ice cream, I listen, but I've got an ice cream maker. So I put in, you know, raw milk because pasteurized milk makes me get phlegm and raw milk doesn't. And I put in a sweetener, like an apple sweetener or, you know, a sweetener that doesn't send my blood sugar careening. I put in... Um, Ingredients that experimentation has taught taught me don't obscure my ability to hear hear what's going on. That don't mm. shout at me. Lots of chemical and you know all the medicine, all the um, pharmaceuticals and many chemical things. They're too loud. They sh- they shout down what the body wants to say. So you can't hear your body anymore. You can't hear what it needs. But. It's not about self-indulgence, it's about self-care, but it's not external rules like you should do this, this, and this to be healthy. I've had clients, and, and my colleagues have had clients too, who could not digest broccoli, who could not digest all the healthy foods they thought they should eat, and their body said that what, you know through energy testing, we can test what the body needs in any moment. The body says, I need bacon and full-fat ice cream hello but when you really listen and that's what the body's truly saying and you give it to them and i'm not talking about binges i'm talking about eat till the body says yeah that's what i needed the body will heal and you know i've i've seen some amazing stories where people healed on things that don't sound nutritious to the socialized mind but are what those bodies need in those moments mm. and You know, it's kind of a tricky thing to not be self-indulgent. Like, oh, I want chocolate. Oh, I want chocolate. Is chocolate really what you want? Or is that the placeholder for consolation, love, touch, feel-good chemicals? You know, chocolate has the same chemicals as falling in love. Maybe what you're craving isn't chocolate. It's falling in love. Mm. And so maybe you need to go find something to fall in love with, even if it's that beautiful hummingbird out your window and spend wow. a moment just falling in love with a hummingbird. It's as good as a piece of chocolate. And sometimes eat the chocolate because it's better. It can be better than the hummingbird in some moments.
0: Yeah. I love me some good high quality cacao. Oh, it's such mm-hmm. a heart opener and it's so delicious with that yeah. morning coffee. Mm, right. So, so before we finish up, Ellen, you mentioned self care and, you know, I think there's so much talk Especially right now, about self-love—you know yeah. the importance of loving yourself, the importance of healing the relationship with yourself—and I 100% agree and align with those thoughts. However, I do think there is some confusion about what self-love is, and it's yeah. almost like it's almost like okay, I'm just going to accept all of my bad habits or mediocre <laughs> tendencies. And I'm just going to love myself and accept myself. How do you define like self-love and how can people cultivate more of it?
1: Okay. Well, you're absolutely right. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, literature out there and people out there saying learn to love yourself, learn to love yourself. And a lot of it's fakey. You know, it's like, look in the mirror. Oh, you're so beautiful. And it's like, no, I'm not, not today, you know, or I am, but not for that reason. And, and so for me, it's good parenting. It's good. It's, it's good. uh, It's, it's appreciating the instrument you have and evolving it. And if you're trying to play the music of your soul on a kazoo, then you may want to get working to evolve your instrument to be more expressive so that you can play the music of your soul. You know, if it's Mozart, you don't want to be playing it on a kazoo. You want to be playing it on a, an oboe or a violin or something that you can really work with. So you need to ask yourself, have I spent the time and energy to develop this instrument? Not for external, you know, not so it looks good and sounds good and peak performance. Not that stuff. Can this instrument do what I want and need it to do? And do I do what it wants and needs me to do? Are we in right relationship? Are we loving each other? It's a like parent. It's not parent-child, but, it, you know, because there's a lot of, oh, inner child stuff. But it we learn it like, you know, does your do you take good care of your dog? Do you love your dog? Does your dog feel loved? But have you taught your dog not to poop on the rug? You know, have you taught your dog to let you know when... She needs to go outside to go to the bathroom mm-hmm. so she doesn't just poop on the rug because you love her so much and never want to tell her no. And it's that kind of relationship. Self, self-care is just about really coming into direct uh, inhabit, You know, ability to inhabit your body, inhabit a mind you want to be in. You know, Ask yourself, if you took every thought and put it into a tape recorder, is that the soundtrack you'd like to be listening to? Mm-hmm. And if it's not the soundtrack, take the one you, you know, ask, what do I want to be hearing? And usually you don't want to be hearing someone exhorting you to be perfect either. You could be better. You should push harder. You can do this. You don't want to hear that either. You know, that's like, you know, Mao's China. You don't really want that either. You, what's the soundtrack? Well, this is my favorite song. I'd love to hear that. And then maybe sometimes I just like some silence. And then maybe I'd like the soundtrack to be the voice of my best friend, mm. having a little conversation. And then maybe the soundtrack is, um, you know, listening to, oh, I love the sound of pennies falling in a in a metal can. I don't like to gamble, but I, I used to love the slot machines because I love the sound. Really? And it's like then I, one day I thought, I don't have to gamble. I can just take some pennies and pour them in a pan every once in a while and enjoy the sound. Mm-hmm. that would be in my personal soundtrack. I like the sound of, of racquetballs. And in fact, I used to play racquetball, not because, and I didn't keep score. I just love the sound when the racket hit the ball, that thunk, that kind of, so ask yourself, and I'm very tonal. So it's like, what do you want in your soundtrack? What do you want in your, in your landscape? You know, if you're painting mm-hmm. your life as a landscape, what do you want to see there? Not a list of rules. Right. It's probably right, not right, right, right. the 10 rules you have to follow today. Yeah. So that's, that's what I mean by self love is really constructing the le- inner landscape you want to be living and then really making questions about where you want to place your, yourself for, for well being. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're sitting around, if you're listening to the news and thinking, I should know what's going on, it's making you feel kind of bilious. Turn it off. And then once every couple of days, read the headlines so you you can be a responsible citizen, but don't make that be the soundtrack of your life if it's not feeling healthy to you or mm. it's overstimulating you or it's shutting you down.
0: That's okay? super powerful. Yeah, that I love that. I love that 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 visual of your thoughts as a soundtrack. And would you like that soundtrack or would you not? And my guess is myself included sometimes like, you know, we have between 50 and 60,000 thoughts every day. And most of those thoughts are repetitive and they're identical to the ones that we had the previous day. And there's definitely times where I certainly would not like to listen to that soundtrack. So, so I think that, I think that's a great visual representation and giving you the power to take ownership of those and just identify those those repeating thoughts that might be sabotaging you and might not be serving you mm-hmm. as you progress forward. Uh, yeah. Ellen I want to I want to take a moment you know to to acknowledge you um for for sharing your light with us and for really dedicating your life dedicating your career to serving and to living in your truth, to living in alignment. And you mentioned, you know, some of the obstacles that you faced early on. And I think it's so beautiful that you were able to really make these amazing opportunities out of these obstacles and not only do it for yourself, but help so many people all over the world. And I'm super excited to continue reading through this book because I like a third of the way in and I got so many divine downloads. Um, And we're going to link to this book in the show notes and i'm also going to put it in my amazon store so you guys will be able to find it there and ellen i wanted to just give you the opportunity to you know tell everyone where they can connect with you um and 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 yeah i I think you have such a powerful gift and i want to make sure these people have access to it
1: thank you so much jeremy so um Uh, My website, as you mentioned, was ellenmeredith.com. That's M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H dot com. I've got lots of links and videos and things there. I also have a YouTube channel, lots of free materials, um, and it's Energy Medicine with Ellen Meredith. And one thing I just wanted to mention, because we're in a time of pandemic, is I put up an eight-video class, free class, on energy medicine tools for enhanced immunity to help you both um, strengthen your ability to, to not get the virus, but if you do get the virus, how to um, strengthen your ability to recover from it more quickly and to get all the way better from it? Because that's one problem with virus. Sometimes it just hangs on and on. It comes through, and it's a messenger, and it messes with the messaging, and then afterwards it doesn't get reinstated. So it's it's simple energy medicine tools that can help you weave back together both before, during, and after. So those are some good resources for people, and I hope you know, you'll check them out. A lot of them are free or or very low cost. And that's my goal is to get those eight things on the website or on YouTube. Well, they're on both, but they're on the, on YouTube channel. They're they're videos on YouTube.
0: (laughs) Yes. I'm so excited to dive in. And Ellen, is there anything else, you know, maybe one last final thing that you'd like to leave the listeners with today?
1: Okay. Every single one of you is capable of learning the language of energy. You already speak it and know it a lot. And it's a a matter of waking up to what you're already doing and expanding on that. It does not take special equipment. You've got the equipment. It's built in. So I just really encourage you to begin the, the process of entering into dialogue, energy dialogue with your own being. It's extremely rewarding and it'll make you very happy.
0: I love that. I love that. Yes, I think that's such a powerful lesson and I'll piggyback that. You know, everyone listening, you do have a unique gift to share. You have some superpower that only you are gifted with. You are one of one and I really can't wait to see, you know, how this episode inspires you to take action. And and you know, we're all about action here at the Energy Exchange podcast. So guys, please share with Ellen and myself. What was the biggest takeaway from today's show? What is something that you are committed to implementing right now? And action ultimately is really going to help manifest that momentum forward. And I'm just so excited to see the number of lives that this show impacts. And And guys, make sure to check out Ellen's work, her website, her YouTube, her book. All of it is in the show notes. And Ellen, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your gifts, for exchanging energy with me today.
1: Well, thank you. It's been lovely speaking with you. I appreciate you.
0: you. Take it easy, guys. Have an amazing day. And you already know what time it is. It's time to unleash your potential and exchange energy. Please, please, please let me know what you thought. Let me know how I did. Let me know what was the biggest divine download that you had because ultimately that allows me to be better. And not only that, when you teach something, when you share something, That means you're learning it twice. That means it's becoming a habit. That means it's becoming part of your DNA. So much love, fam. And as always, it would mean the world if you took that extra 13 to 24 seconds to leave a review in the iTunes store. It helps spread this message and reach more people. I got so much love for you, and I will see you back here for Monday's show. Peace out.